Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss through the lens of your nosy neighbor. I'm your host, Millie Brooks, and today's topic is meditation. Now, don't run away. Don't think this is going to be a snoozeful episode. Um, Have you ever been curious about meditation? I know I have. I look at people that meditate and I'm like, dang, you got that glow about you, you know? Um, or, Or, you know, on the other side of that same coin, do you find yourself feeling overwhelmed and anxious most of the day, especially this time of year? Well, listen up and lean in, guys. Jess Van Garcia of Amla Meditation is our guest today. She's a renowned meditation teacher and coach. Um, She's worked all over the world with people. She's spent years studying ancient forms of meditation, including a prestigious and intensive training program in India, learning from some of the greatest living master teachers, as well as a wide range of contemporary techniques. Jess, okay, so this is why Jess is your girl. She teaches busy, real people of every type how to successfully make meditation work for them and integrate it into their fast-paced modern lives. She works with Everybody under the sun, famous actors, CEOs, stay-at-home moms, five-year-olds, artists, um, cancer patients, investment bankers, people suffering from PTSD, um, teachers, you know, and plenty of people. This is this is the big kahuna here. This is the the point that I'm really driving at. She teaches people who didn't think meditation was for them until working with Jess. So in this episode, we are going to dive into the reasons why people avoid meditation and what it might help you with this holiday season um, if you are a beginner and are kind of thinking of trying it out. Welcome back, everyone. <laughs> Jess Van Garcia on today to talk about how you can improve your holidays with a little bit of meditation. Welcome, Jess. Thanks, Millie. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So before we dive in, do you have any good neighborhood gossip that you can share with the group? Well, I'm relatively new to the area Mm -hmm. and I'm definitely still getting used to how friendly everybody is which I love, but it's an adjustment. Mm -hmm. You know, when I first moved in, it was like my neighbor popped his head into my window the first day and it scared the, you know, life out of me. And I said, you know, you got to know I'm from New York. Like you you might get maced, you know, if if you do that again. Um, And so I'm slowly, I'm getting used to it and I enjoy it now, but people are definitely friendly, which is lovely. Um, he also popped his head popped his into the window. Oh my yeah. God. The glue yeah. is going to kill me right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. Okay. Hey guys, before we started recording, I gave Cleo a little bit of melatonin, which is just calm moments. They're vitamins. It's fine. I'm not an abusive mother. 
Um, so that should be kicking in hopefully soon. But anyways, try to avoid listening to her She'll in the background. Down. She'll quiet down. Yeah. Jess, I, I believe that she will quiet down, yeah. Jess, because you have a very calm center about yourself. And it seems like you really believe in it. I do. I do. And I, I did not used to be this way in a lot of in a lot of aspects like if you had told me that I would be teaching meditation I don't know seven years ago I would have said you're out of your mind like mm -hmm. I would have fallen off my chair laughing yeah um even that I would be meditating I just didn't think that it was for me um I had tried different types of meditation and I just felt like you were supposed to be able to have these monk-like qualities before you even began. Like, my back hurt, I couldn't quiet my mind, and I was just like, eh, I'm too crazy for this, I'm too type A for this, this isn't for me. Um, and it's just been one of the greatest surprises of my life that here I am. Here I we are, it. talking about meditation. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so before we dive in, yeah. I just want to touch upon, go back to your um, neighborhood gossip yes, stuff. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. I, too, mm -hmm. had a neighbor poking uh -huh. in my backyard. Yeah. Everybody knows that porter. Yeah. yeah. Um, was poking in my backyard, kind of just perusing the joint as yeah. we were getting some landscaping done. Yeah. And um, it is a little shocking. <laughs> I actually really like it. Like, I've gotten used to it now. And now my New York life feels very odd. You know, I would live next to people for years and not know them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely shocking at first. It was sort of like zero to a hundred, you know, and yes. it's also the first time I'm, I'm living somewhere where I can really hear my neighbors. Um, I said when I moved from New York that I wanted to live somewhere where I only heard the birds. And so I hear birds and my neighbors, but no <laughs> sirens, or, which is a great, That's um, great. but I have this, there was uh, my upstairs neighbor. There was this like sound that was driving me crazy forever. I would hear it and it would be like, <laughs> Oh, wow. And I thought that it was like, maybe them having some fun. Having fun and then passing out. Exactly. <laughs> but it was like, the tempo of it was really troubling to me. I was like, that does not sound like any sex I've ever heard, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it would, like, for months and months and months, it was like, what is that sound? Yeah. And then I saw him carrying a bike out of his apartment, and it all just clicked. It was like, ah, oh, he was pumping his his wheels full of air. <gasps> I know it was like the one of the best moments oh, of that, my life. Just that, that, that the satisfaction of, yeah. of like finally solving solving that question. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's relieving. Yeah, so you learn a lot. You do about your neighbors. You, you do know. when you keep your eyes open. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's dive in. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about how you found yourself teaching meditation, <laughs> and what drew you to it. So as I said, it was not part of the plan. This is like a very unexpected life twist and turn. Um, I was living in New York and I had a successful career that I loved. I really, I was a documentary filmmaker and um, making all kinds of television and video and film. And I really loved it. I had, you know, I had a lot of the things that I thought I wanted and yet I didn't feel great. You know, it kind of didn't feel like I thought it would. I, I just didn't feel particularly healthy or happy. And um, I was just, I felt like I was just kind of on a hamster wheel, mm -hmm. you know? Um, couldn't quite keep my head above water. Just was stressed and tired and 
just not enjoying life that well. There's just this like baseline of like irritability, anxiety, um, depression that just made me feel like, I don't think this is how I'm supposed to feel. I don't think this is it. And um, just your yeah. basic New York angst. Exactly. And everyone around you is the same way and kind of encourages it. In fact, it's like a badge of honor in a way, you know, like how much you can suffer in a lot of places, you know, and I think New York is one of those, or at least the world I was in. And, um, you know, I just had all these like, I had digestive issues and I had low back pain and I was kind of trying to fix all these different things in a silo. And a lot of times people would say, you know, it's stress related. And I'm like, I know, I'm doing yoga and I'm in therapy and I, get massaged and you know I was doing all these things to try and kind of relieve the stress nothing was working um and I just I really searched for a long time you know and I got more and more open-minded we'll say you know desperate it was like I was actually quite a skeptical person but my desperation was greater than my skepticism so I I got hypnotized I got my cards read I went to a body worker who told me I was having low back pain because I was sold as a child bride in a previous life, you know, and oh I paid her. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, this is like the level of... That would do me. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't go back. Into my credit, I didn't That's go back. That's a good idea. But I did, you know, I just was, I remember paying someone to do, I don't even know what it involved, like waving a wand over my back and then charging me $400. I mean, it was just, yeah. it was like a long, expensive search something that was going to make me feel better and I did try different types of meditation I would do kind of guided meditations in the apps and the um you know it, for me it was just a lot of like sitting with a straight back in an uncomfortable position and feeling like I wasn't doing it right you know and my head my brain wouldn't turn off I just felt like if I knew how to quiet my brain I wouldn't be here trying to learn how to meditate. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, so I, I just really kind of wrote the whole thing off thinking that it wasn't for me. And then I, um, I ended up seeing a colleague of mine like really change in the span of a year that we were working together. And I finally got the courage to ask him, Hey, what have you been, what's been going on with you? Mm -hmm. You know, what's been, what's been happening? And he told me that he learned this particular style of meditation oh. called Vedic meditation and my heart sort of sank because I thought oh, yeah no I've tried meditation I thought you might have the answer for me but that's not for me and he said you know this is really really different it's different um just come along give it a shot and I, again I think I just was I was desperate enough you know I just knew that this couldn't be how I was meant to feel. I didn't want to go on feeling that way for the rest of my life. So I ended up learning and right away it was really different. It was actually enjoyable and easy to do and that had not at all been my experience with meditation. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll get into pet meditation next. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. great segue. Yeah. Great segue. Yeah. Is, there, is there such a thing? No, but... Uh, there's a huge market for it. You know, I might put the melatonin people out of business. But <laughs> <laughs> that might be that might be in my future. Oh um, my gosh! Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, and it was just you know basically I just um, it was super different. It right away I noticed changes, and they were little at first, and then bigger and bigger and bigger changes until it just really transformed like my whole experience of life and. Um, and I remember thinking, like, how does everybody not know how simple it can be? Like, yeah. I ha there was this sense that I had to share it with people. And I thought, that's crazy. Like, you're not going to become a meditation teacher. 
and it just kept being there. And so I ended up, you know, embarking on what would be a couple of years of training. Um, and now I share with people and now I teach. I still also do my other career. I still make documentary films and television and video, but um, now I get to share this thing with a lot of other people. Well, I think let's be real, Jess. Yeah. You have that glow about you, <laughs> that meditation glow, you know? And I talked about that um, in the earlier part of this episode that like, you just can, you can kind of see it on mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. you know, that like, ah, <laughs> that bliss, <laughs> that walking out of a spa, yeah. like glow, you know? Mm -hmm. um, well, so what's at the core of the trainings you teach? I mean, really a huge part of my job is breaking down a lot of the myths and misconceptions around meditation. There are many. Um, and at the end of the day, like meditation can be so much easier than many of us think it is or have made it out to be. And it just, um, it doesn't have to be such a chore and it can be incredibly transformative. It's changed my life, it's changed the lives of hundreds and hundreds of people that I've taught, but you know, when we find the right style and when we find the right teacher, but there's just a lot that we get wrong about it that keeps us from doing it effectively or doing it at all and getting all the benefits. What are some of the things we get wrong? Yeah, so um, for example, there are lots of different types of meditation. So mm -hmm. all meditation is not created equal. So it's a bit like saying, if you say, oh, oh, I tried meditation. It's like saying, oh, I tried that whole exercise thing, not for me, mm -hmm. right? I mean, how different is like a boot camp class from a walk in the woods, from a foam rolling class? To, you know, I mean, wide variety of techniques, wide variety of benefits, different things are gonna work for different people. So I think that's the biggest one really is that it's not at all created equal and there is a style out there for everybody that is going to work for you and there are styles that are tend to be easier than others. Um, another big one is, you know, that we're not supposed to have any thoughts in our meditation. Now there are certain techniques where that is actually the goal. To just clear your mind. Right. That never worked for me. I mean, the mind is meant to think like the heart is meant to beat. We have something like 50,000 thoughts every single day. Welcome to being a human being. Mm -hmm. Welcome to planet Earth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a good thing that your brain is working actually. Yeah. But we tend to, I mean, so much of meditation like demonizes it and then makes us feel like there's something wrong with us if we can't turn our brains off. And the style that I teach is not about clearing your mind of thoughts. It's not about concentrating or focusing or like forcing control of the monkey mind. And ironically, by the way that we practice this, you actually end up kind of just transcending all of your thoughts and kind of moving beyond them and finding the quiet that is there. But you don't do it by um, banishing all thoughts from your mind. Um, I would say another big um, misconception and myth is that it needs to be so perfect and precious, mm. you know? Like in the technique that I teach, we don't, you don't need a quiet Zen spot. Like I used to, I meditated on the New York City subway every single day for years and it was fantastic, mm -hmm. right? Um, I've meditated in, you know, backs of Ubers and um, at cafes and in stairwells. I've meditated in the bathroom stall, not my proudest moment, but I'll do it. You yeah. Know? You really can meditate anywhere. You really don't need much. Um, and so we don't need 
again, there are different techniques that work different ways, but the, the technique that I teach, like we don't need to have our hands in certain poses or the incense or the special breathing or the meditation cushion, or it doesn't have to be that complicated. It doesn't have to be kind of all woo woo. Right. Um, and it right. doesn't have to be so precious and so serious. You know, we don't need to be perfect about yeah. it at all. And I think that just keeps, it just keeps people feeling um, like if they can't do it perfectly, why do it? And that's just right. a real shame. Right. You know, we're not actually meditating to be good at meditation. We're meditating to be good at life. Right. Mm-hmm. And it just can be a lot more simple and straightforward than people realize. Um, you know, and I think, um, I think also people tend to um, just have, I think, um, a lot of expectations about what it's supposed to look like mm. and it's supposed to feel like mm-hmm. and what then they're supposed to experience in their life. And it feels like an unobtainable level. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And, you know, I think so a lot of what I do is just correcting that yeah um and teaching people a way that doesn't require those things and is super super effective actually the style that i teach um derives from a a tradition that's called nishkam karma yoga which means basically that's a sanskrit term and in english it means it's achieved through action barely done so i like to think of it as the lazy man's yoga like it's actually very simple and it's it's a spontaneous transcending technique so actually the less that we do and the less that we try the more effectively it works and we get the things that we're looking for but that's not um something that comes inherently to us you know we're trained by everyone else you know our parents and our teachers and our coaches and our bosses and society to you know to try hard to do it perfectly go big or go home right and so we have a lot of that perfectionism and like achievement driven outcome oriented uh, training in us and yeah. so that's you know it's a it's a practice to kind of be taught how to and to let go of some of that what is your current view of understand i mean you've kind of went into this a little bit mm-hmm. but like what is your understanding of meditation and its positive effects? Like, how have you seen it really transform people? How much time do you have? I mean, <laughs> launch into it. Um, I mean, it really continues to just blow my mind years and years into practicing and teaching, like how effective it can be for something so simple. Like, it's really, when you're trained in a, technique that is simple and works for you it's it's the easiest part of your day you know it's a very simple thing and yet it can have these profound effects that kind of touch all aspects of life and I see a lot of people come in you know they come to work with me for a specific reason and it could be you know I want to manage my stress better I want to you know yell at my kids less I want to um, sleep better I want to be faster running my marathons whatever it might be and meditation will help in all those aspects and then you know they come in for one reason and they get so much more that they weren't even looking for and I think that was definitely the case for me you know um so you know at at the fundamental level meditation deeply deeply rests our mind and body so um, the rest that we get during this type of meditation that I teach has been shown to be up to five times deeper than the rest that you get during the deepest part of your sleep so it's just a a kind of unique and profound. Oh, hold on yeah. one second. <laughs> oh my God. 
we're back. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, Cleo, <laughs> Cleo wanted to be part of the conversation and hear more about meditation. Not sure if you could uh, hear that throughout the episode. But anyways, okay, Jess, as we were saying, let's go into your current understanding of meditation and its usefulness for people. Sure. And how it's trans transformed people. Yeah. So, you know, I think I, I was talking about how one of one of the many benefits that we get from meditation is this really, really profound rest. A rest unlike we find in any other, you know, way that we might get it. And we all know the benefits of, you know, a good night's rest. So you just magnify that. It, you know, it impacts our health and our ability to take on and handle the demands of life with grace without being overreactive. Um, it has all kinds of rich benefits for us. And meditation, when certain types of meditation, including the one that I teach and, and when done correctly, really release years of accumulated stress from our system. Mm. So um, there's this understanding that, you know, th those who've taught meditation in India for thousands of years have long understood, and modern science is now quite effectively shown, which is that what we experience in our life, the stress, the demands, the challenges that we have to meet, the traumas, everything we've experienced, every time we've had to adapt to something, that leaves an impact on us, that leaves a mark on us in some way, right? Even when the stressful situation has passed, mm -hmm. the effects of that stress response are still in your system, right? And can have all kinds of ramifications. They're affecting how we feel physically, psychologically, in ways that we are aware of, you know, sometimes we know like we've got baggage around something, yes. but in a lot of ways that we're not aware of. And so what a practice like I teach does and lots of different types of meditation do is, is clear all that like backlog of mm. stress, right? So we become us without all of our stress. Mm. Right? And so the effects, you know, vary widely for people. There are some that are really common, but really at the end of the day, you're going to become the best version of yourself. You know, the things that are standing in your way are going to melt away and the best parts of you are going to come to the surface. Um, another thing that an effective meditation practice can give us is that we're able to move beyond like our thoughts and our feelings and kind of access what we are beneath all of that. And there's lots of different ways of describing this place, this thing, like our essence, right? Yeah. Our core. Um, for some people it's, you know, uh, source, mm -hmm. right? Something kind of beyond us that's bigger than us. And this is something that once we have an effective practice, like we can access that every single time we, we meditate. And what's really cool is that, you know, I sort of, I sort of wondered if my story was unique because this practice really did just change so many aspects of my life, but I get to see it over and over, you know, in people that I teach and, and modern science like really is starting to study this stuff. Mm. And I mean, what can be measured in a lab about meditation is such a small percentage of what it is that, you know, the benefits that we get. And even so, every day there's a new study out, you know? I mean, it's it's well understood now that people who are meditating experience 90% um, fewer heart attacks, 70% fewer cases of cancer, 50% fewer um, hospital visits and accidents, that they can even reverse their biological age. Um, it 
whenever we're meditating. Right. Reverse your <laughs> that, biological People love air. that one. Age. What? Yeah. So what that means is um, they had people, um, they had two groups of people who started meditating and they, me- they measured them over, you know, five years or so. And those who were not meditating aged at, I think it was 1.5 times, because that's how we age in America. We age faster than, you know, our, our years on earth. And by, 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 uh, by biological age, I mean, um, you know, things like, like markers of age as opposed to years that you have on this earth. So things like skin elasticity and health of your system and all of this, um, you know, brain Brain, brain cognitivity exactly, and stuff. Exactly. And those who were meditating actually ended up getting younger in that period of time. Again, that's in terms of um, slowing down brain, um, you know, decline, cognitive decline. Um, in, in, it's why a lot of meditators have that glow, actually, because it makes our skin more elastic. Um, and there's all kinds of markers, but people love the, love. They always are like, wait, wait, tell me about this age thing. You know? <laughs> and I always say, whatever gets you in the door, great. Right. You know? Right. Um, but you know, when we meditate, we, um, it, our body kind of turn, f- switches off the fight or flight response. Right. And kind of recovers from it. So, um, the parts of our brain that, you know, light up when we're in danger, those quiet down and our, our, the kind of cortisol and the adrenaline and these chemicals that are often racing through our system, they drain out of the system. And instead we get a boost of chemicals like dopamine and serotonin, like happy chemicals. So Mm -hmm. it's no surprise that the effect that we feel is less stress, less anxiety, less worry, less kind of freneticism. And instead happiness and calm and peace and an ability to, like handle what life throws at you, not being so reactive, not so being on, being so on edge. Um, and I think one of the the greatest things that I see, I saw in myself and in others is that when you say happiness, it's like, you're not just happy when good things happen, but you have like those moments of just being happy for no reason, mm-hmm. just like baseline joy, mm-hmm. you know? And that's not to say that we don't oh, get pissed off by things. Baseline human, joy, I beings, like that. But it's like our baseline is joy a lot more. Yeah. Um, people's sleep tends to really improve. So a lot of people come to me because they're having trouble sleeping, really common in our society. Um, so sleep, I mean, that's one of the ones that I notice most quickly with people. They'll start sleeping through the night, you know, oh, right away. Really? Yeah. Um, and just have kind of a better quality of sleep. Um, you know, people tend to experience that life just becomes more manageable. Like the best way I can describe it is that meditation for me was like a spam filter. If like my life was an overwhelming email inbox, you know, those crazy ones that it's like 2000 unread emails, yes. 20,000 unread emails. Yes. That was what life felt like before. And the spam filter just makes everything just seem more doable. Like I have more Mm. demands now than I used to, especially having two careers. And I no longer feel like I don't have time to pee, which was very common for me before. Yes. You know, there's this like weird meditation time warp that happens. No, Cleo. Cleo seriously needs meditation. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Come here. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think it's a combination of, you know, your, your sleep tends to improve. You need less of it, which mm-hmm. is really common. So that kind of gives us extra time in the day. But you also just, um, 
you spend less time like in your head in the past or the future or worrying about things or kind of spinning around and so you just become more like focused and productive you get things done in less amount of time and you prioritize you're like eh, this like that doesn't need to get done today or like this that's actually not shouldn't be on my to-do list that's someone else's job and you get you can kind of really focus on what's important yeah um so people tend to they talk a lot about um and this has actually been shown in studies as well just increased kind of focus productivity clarity really improved executive functioning so that means among other things like you can make good decisions under pressure Oof. you know which is i mean during the holiday season that's really important it is i mean it the to-do list can get yeah. out of hand yeah and out of control fun yep you know it's like a little microcosm for how we live a lot of our lives which is um which is definitely one of the things that brought me to to look for meditation was just feeling like i'm not enjoying any of this and mm-hmm. I, that i would say after stress and anxiety that's probably the third most common thing that people come and sleep so maybe the fourth most common thing is like a, a desire to be more present Yes. You know, and this is something that does happen too. We just, we're more grateful. We have more presence. We're like enjoying our lives. And these are the things that we want. Like we just, we just want to enjoy our lives, right. you know, and to kind of and know what to do next. And I think that that's another big benefit of, of a meditation practice is increased intuition mm. and kind of like knowing, just knowing what the next right move is, not overthinking it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and as I said, I mean, I could go, I could talk for hours about the benefits but i mean what like let's talk about certain transfer transformations that you've seen in your own clientele yeah i mean it is really amazing i've had there are people where i can literally they look different after four sessions so i work with people in four sessions and i teach them how to do how to meditate on their own so that once they leave, like they've got this practice, they're self-sufficient, which I think is really important. And kind mm-hmm. of going back to your question earlier about what we get wrong about meditation. It's like, we don't want something where we're so reliant on like an app or uh, you know, on going, getting to a class or something like that. You want something you can do on your own. Right. Um, so I see, sometimes there'll be people who will literally look different to me after four days. There are people who will often say, you know, a weekend, like, I feel completely different. I've seen people who, again, started sleeping through the night after years of insomnia within the first few days. People who, um, you know, after like a lifetime of migraines, you know, lifetime of panic attacks, um, these things just are resolved. Are lifted. Yeah. Wow. And I've, you know, I've seen a lot of people who are on, who are on medications they didn't want to be on, whether it was for, you know, ADHD or high blood pressure and again i'm always very like people need to work with their doctors on this and i always want people to stay on their medication until they talk to their doctor but i've seen pretty incredible things happen there um and you know there was like this there was this amazing moment where um i was teaching i was teaching a class and in the class there was like a really type a and i say that lovingly as a Mm -hmm. you know previous type a person control freak um like type A, super controlling, high strung lawyer. There was a yoga teacher. There was like someone who worked in nonprofits. Um, there was like a teenager. There was a 70 year old retired man, right? I wow. Mean, really a wide range of people. All and walks of life. All walks of life. And we did a meditation together um, during the class. 
And one of them, you know, we, we opened our eyes and one of them said, oh, it's just so good. And the next one said, oh, it's just so good. And they, it was like this, you know, this, this each one of them. Domino effect. Yeah. And shh. Okay. Jess, I, when I sent you these questions, you were like, I actually don't teach mindfulness and loving kindness because that was one of my questions. How can someone use mindfulness and loving kindness every day? And especially during a hectic time like the holidays. So go on a rant <laughs> about why you don't like those words. This is one of my favorite things to rant about. It's not that I don't like those words. I think that, again, it comes down to there being a lot of like misunderstanding around it. So, um, Mindfulness is all the rage. Like you Google mindfulness and you will get, I think it's something like 10,000 results on Amazon, right? Everyone wants to teach you how to be more mindful. We all want to be more mindful. That's a wonderful thing to be, right? But it's, it, what was a, what is a result of a practice? Like an experience has sort of been co-opted and turned into a practice in and of itself. So there's this idea that like, I am gonna sit here and I'm gonna wash these dishes and I'm gonna enjoy washing these dishes. I'm gonna be here fully presently washing these dishes. And somehow like that's gonna get me all these results that I'm looking for. And that's really hard. And you know, props to people who can practice mindfulness and get all these results in meditation. I don't know that many of them that can do it successfully. I think it's another way that we set ourselves up to feel like a failure at something. Mm -hmm. You know, people are not coming to meditation because they need another hard thing in their life that they're gonna feel shitty about themselves not doing well, right? And I think that meditation, uh, excuse me, that mindfulness mm -hmm. can fall into that category, right? We try it, we think, I'm not good at this, this is uncomfortable, and I'm a failure and screw meditation, right? And in my experience, you know, loving kindness as well. Some For some people, that practice really works for them. Again, great. I think you're never going to hear me say, like, there's one way to meditate and there's one path and all that other stuff is garbage. You know, I think you should be wary of anyone who says that, right, about any type of meditation. Um, there are lots of paths. It's about finding the path that is going to get you where you want to go fastest, most smoothly, and with the least amount of effort, and that you actually enjoy along the way. Because why suffer? You know, right. meditation does not have to be about suffering um, and discomfort and, you know, being such a chore. And with loving kindness, you know, again, it's something just like mindfulness that I practiced and I tried, you know, and I found it to be hard. I didn't find it to be enjoyable. And I found I wasn't any good at it. And so that made me feel like there was something wrong with me. Mm. And I wasn't spiritual enough or I wasn't this or whatever it may be. And, um... Again, that can, if that works as a practice for people, fantastic. But I think that um, it can also keep a lot of people away from getting the benefits of meditation. And so in my experience, finding a practice that works for you, and by works for you, I mean you find it easy, you find it enjoyable, and it's pretty smooth to fit into your life, and so therefore you do it every day, and it doesn't feel like a chore, and it doesn't feel like suffering, and your back doesn't hurt, and you don't have to sit in some twisty position or whatever it might be. When you do that, you are going to find yourself being more mindful, quote-unquote, and being more loving, and being kinder, and being less of a jerk to people around you, right? It is, in my experience, and what I see over and over, is that those two things are a result of a practice. Mm. finding the right practice for you, right? And again, I do find myself 
you know, I remember when I first started meditating, I happened to find my old journals recently. When I <clears throat> took, when I learned this particular type of meditation and in the first week, five times <clears throat> I wrote, I just had the best meal of my life, exclamation point. Mm -hmm. I wasn't eating any differently. Yeah. I just was enjoying it. Right? Mm. Like, guess what? That's being mindful. That's how this begins, right? That's, yeah. So we, we, put our, we set this high standard for like, oh, mindfulness means that I have to like float around just like being perfectly in my body and enjoying every, you know, being present all the time and enjoying every experience. Like, it's a process. It's right. a spectrum. And it begins with like, ooh, that sunset is like particularly beautiful. Right. Or like, oh, my kid's skin is so soft. Like, these are things that I hear, right? Or oh my god, like that meal was so good. You know, just like little seeds of experience in your life, right? Mm -hmm. The more and more that we do that, we clear away the stress that's standing in the way of that experience, which is really what it's about, then like, guess what? You're more mindful and you're more present, right? And you're, you're not, you're not having to force yourself to like, I'm gonna love a person that I hate <laughs> through gritting teeth. Oh, like I did with my dog earlier. <laughs> yeah. I am gonna love you through this. Exactly. That, well, the face you just made, <laughs> like that's how I see so many people trying to practice loving kindness and mindfulness. Uh huh. And doing it through those gritted teeth. Right. As opposed to having it that, come from within. Exactly. And just mm -hmm. looking at that dog and being like, damn, I just love you today. And, and it mm -hmm. might not be 100% of the time right away. Yeah. But it's like more and more and more and more and more until it's most of the time. And then guess what? You're still a human being. Sometimes the dog is going to annoy you. Right. Again, we set ourselves up for these standards. It's like, yeah, that we can't that, reach. It's not working. Right. So that, there's so much in between mm. you hating your dog all the time and you loving your dog all the time. <laughs> like, there's a whole gamut of experience to be had and we miss out on it. If we think, like, if we don't, if, you know, if we're not um, perfectly mindful and perfectly mm -hmm. lovingly kind every second, then what's the point? Right. You know? Well, I'm glad you're saving my relationship with my dog right now. <laughs> if that's I mean, this is not honest. a coincidence that <laughs> yeah. you're here and she's having a tantrum right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what mantras do you like to use, if any? And any specific holiday mantras? So I do, even though I kind of went on my rant about loving kindness, yeah. I do have some tips for meditating over the holidays too, if, if we want to talk about that. Yes. So this is, whatever your practice is, these are just kind of universally, universal things that are helpful. Because as you said, the holidays are such a stressful time. There's so many demands. We're around family, the people who installed our buttons so they know how to push them, mm -hmm. you know, and... Um, and so it's more important than ever. It can be more useful than ever to, to still meditate throughout that time. So first thing I would say is, which is a general tenet of my teaching, which is do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Right? Okay, say that again. Do, do not, not let, let the, the perfect, perfect be the enemy of the good. Okay, right? let's unpack that. Yeah, so, you know, you've been day drinking. Great, fine. Have a sort of tipsy meditation. You only have 10 minutes, fine. 10 minutes is better than no minutes, right? It's not um, falling into this black or white thinking that's like, well, if I can't do it right, I'm not gonna do it at all. That's actually very silly. And if we really look at it, I mean, it's very common. We do it as human beings. I don't know why, it's just something we do. Mm -hmm. um, you're not broken for having that black or white thinking, but it can really limit you, right? If you really look at it, it makes no sense, right? And so we limit ourselves by 
again, thinking that meditation has to be so perfect and precious and, and um, just get in the chair and meditate for 10 minutes if that's what you have, right? Um, I would also say, you know, along the lines of not being too precious with it, you know, the type of meditation I teach, like you do not need to sit with a straight back. You don't need to have some perfect meditation spot. Um, anywhere you can sit comfortably and lean your back against something and relax and close your eyes is a perfectly fine spot to meditate. So um, get creative, right? You're going to be out of your routine, out of your comfort zone. If you look around and you're flexible, you'll realize that you can really meditate anywhere, mm. right? Mm -hmm. I'd also say that, you know, there's this sense of not being able to get away, right? That it's people have demands of you, that it's selfish, um, people you have guests over, whatever it might be. And really taking 20 minutes to meditate for yourself is the least selfish thing that you can do all day. You, your practice is benefiting you and every single person you come in contact with. Mm. Your family and your friends and your dog and the barista. No one deserves a sick, tired, stressed out version of you. Mm -hmm. right? Those 20 minutes are going to so greatly impact the other 23 hours of the day that it's the best thing you can do. Mm -hmm. We don't want to fall into this kind of martyr syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, if you're around people who don't, you know, who think meditation is still for hippies. It, I don't know if those people still exist, but I'm sure they do, you know, in some parts mm -hmm. of the country. Um, you know, you don't have to tell people what you're doing. You're going to go make a phone call. You're going to take a nap. Go offer to be, go make a wine run. Mm -hmm. You know, meditate in the parking lot at the at the liquor store. You come back the hero. And right. arrested and ready to show up. Yeah. Right? Um, and if you're having FOMO, you know, again, I, it goes back to those 20 minutes that you take away are going to make the other 23 hours of the day so much more enjoyable. And you're going to have more stamina to enjoy mm -hmm. all of it. Um, I'd also say, you know, planning is is really helpful when we're out of our routine or when we're during the holiday time. So, you know, don't just assume that you're going to, like, find some time to meditate, you know. So maybe that's getting up a little bit earlier and meditating before the day starts. Maybe at breakfast, as you guys are kind of planning out your day, you're thinking, okay, where am I going to be able to sneak away for 20 minutes and get that meditation in? Ironically, the more t free time that we have, it can sometimes feel harder to fit it in because mm. we sort of think like, oh yeah, I've got all day. Yeah. Right? So I really, um, planning and kind of knowing your windows of opportunity ahead of time is really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think just appreciating that, um, you know, the remembering why you're meditating. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, I like this whole idea that it's actually not for you. It's for everybody that's surrounding you yeah. in the holiday yeah. room, kitchen, living room, dinner table. Like, everybody's going to benefit from, you know, a calmer, more awake human being. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Absolutely right. And it is not something that I just say to make me feel better about doing it. It's uh -huh. absolutely true. It is absolutely true. I mean, I remember when I first started meditating, you know, um, there were, I, my partner at the time sort of, I think, thought it was cute and would kind of roll his eyes and would often be irritated, you know. Oh, you know, we got to wait to go to dinner so I can meditate, things like this. And then I watched over time and he started to say things like, oh, you want to meditate before dinner? I was like, what's happening here? Oh, what's wow. Here? He was kind of encouraging us? Absolutely. Mm. And what, what was happening is that I was way more pleasant to be around. Right, And so what I teach, you know, my students all the time, and they see this play out too, is that 
you know, you in the beginning do need to teach the people around you that like, this is something I do now and I'm doing it for all of you. you mm -hmm. know? And then over time, the people around you will start defending your practice for you because they're going to benefit. Right. You're nicer. You're more fun to be around. Maybe you like having more sex, whatever it is. Like, yeah. You are better. They like you better. You are a bundle of joy. <laughs> you are a better version <laughs> of you. Yeah. And, but in the beginning, it does take fighting through sometimes that feeling of like, oh, this is selfish or. Yeah. That know. tug of war. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you really like, you cannot pour from an empty cup. Like you have to fill up first. Yep. before you attempt to give to anyone else. And that really is what we're doing with meditation. It's like, you can think about it as filling up your gas tank with what I would call adaptation energy, like the ability to adapt, mm -hmm. right? You're filling yourself up with everything that you're then going to like give out to the world totally. all day. Totally. And you can't, if you try and do that on an empty gas tank, like you're either going to run out of gas or the gears are going to grind. Like it's, I'm not a car person, so not the right metaphor, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Things don't go well. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's some malfunctions. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Um, but your question about mantras, I guess, um, you know, it's sort of, I, I have, um, I tend to rant about mantras as well, mm -hmm. but um, the word mantra is a, is a word much like meditation that kind of has gotten co-opted and come to mean lots of things. So, you know, people will say, you know, my mantra is everything in moderation, including moderation, you know, uh -huh. or they'll stand in front of the mirror and say, I'm a strong, beautiful woman and people mm -hmm. love me, right? Like these are actually not mantras technically. Um, these are affirmations or sayings like phrases to live by, philosophies, things like that. Um, a mantra is a word that in Sanskrit means mind vehicle. So it's, it's a sound that is going to actually take your mind from one level of awareness to a deeper level of awareness, one that we can't get to on our own. It's like a, a piece of sound technology that's like a taxi, right? That's mm. going to actually take you somewhere and kind of drop you into that place that is beyond conscious thought. Um, in the way that that I use them, and um, so so that said, like I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding about what mantras are. And if I were to answer the question of you know are there helpful phrases you know to live by, I would say um, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good is a great one that will help us in certainly in the holiday season. Um, I would say the only bad meditation, quote unquote, is the one that we don't do. Mm, right? I like that one. The only bad meditation is the one that we don't do. Mm -hmm. You get in the chair and you close your eyes and you practice the way you were taught and it's, it's a reason to celebrate. It's great. Move on. And then I would say also, you know, again, with, with regards to the holiday season, this idea of you can't pour from an empty cup, like you hear this phrase, put your oxygen mask on before helping others. Mm -hmm. You know, again, you have to really, you have to fill up your gas tank before you can expect to have anything to give for anyone around you. Totally. What advice do you have to give people struggling with medica meditation? I almost yeah. called it medication. Well, it's funny. There's only one different letter there. Yeah. But, but, uh, people use medication often, you know, wow. in lieu of meditation. Um, I love it. Yeah. I, so Freudian I, slip. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that, number one, it's not you. Like, the, the biggest mistake we can make is thinking, 
oh, meditation's not for me, or I'm not cut out for it. There are so many different styles, as I said. So I would say, don't think it's you and don't give up looking. Like, keep trying different styles because mm. there is absolutely something out there that you, when you find it, you're going to be like, oh, oh my God, like, why was it such a struggle? Mm -hmm. right? um, and I would also say keep looking because there is an experience far more profound to be had than what we can get off of like an app or a guided meditation that we might do or the end of a yoga class. Like that is scratching the surface of mm -hmm. what meditation can be. Um, I'd also say that, um, you know, look for people who have what you want, right? And ask them what they're doing. That's how I found this particular practice. So if there are people, you know, ask them what they're doing and then you may discover a style that works for you. Um, and I'd say that, um, you know, I would also say that finding a teacher is really the key. Um, we, you know, it's funny, you, if you wanted to learn to play the piano, you wouldn't just like sit down at a piano and start banging your fingers. Right. And then be like, why can't I play the piano? Right. Right. That's a great analogy. You would find someone who knows piano and ask them to... You'd get a teacher. You'd, yep. I mean, and yes, could you could you Google some YouTube videos? Sure. And that might help you play a little bit, you know? Oh, there she is. Our teacher <laughs> yeah. for the day. <laughs> yeah. She's just a perfect, a perfect uh, analogy for a lot of what we talked about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you mean, so you could, you could get an app that would teach you how to play piano. You could read a book about how to play the piano. But neither of those are gonna get you the same thing as taking a piano lesson. Yeah, you're not gonna get very far. And, and yet, it's funny because we that seems like an absolutely rational thing to do. Mm -hmm. And yet with meditation, somehow we think we're supposed to be inherently like good at this and know how to do it. Yeah. It's a skill to be learned, it, like anything else. And so finding a teacher and actually getting trained on how to do this thing is really can, what you know, what can be the game changer and something that we all need. Yeah. We don't know how to, we're not born knowing how to meditate, just like we're not born knowing how to play the piano. Right. Well, how can people, I mean, before we, you know, tie everything up, how can people find you specifically, Jess, and possibly work with you? So they can find me at my website, okay. which is amlameditation.com. So it's A-M-L-A meditation.com. They can also email me at jess at amlameditation.com. And I do phone consultations with people who are kind of interested in seeing if this is for them, learning more about me. I find that kind of the best way to kind of get to know each other and see if it's a fit. Um, and then um, if people do want to work with me, I teach, you know, individuals, I teach privately, I teach group courses, like public courses, where people can hire me to work, come to them and work with them independently. I teach at a lot of companies and corporations, like teaching the whole team and having come from the corporate world originally. Like I love teaching there in that space. Um, I teach kids and teens. Um, and then I do travel um, quite a bit, teaching, leading retreats. And then um, for people who aren't in the Bay Area, where we are, I teach online as well. So I offer online courses. Wow. Jess, you have like a whole like school underneath you. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, it's, it is, um, again, not something that I ever expected or like intended to have, but it really, uh, yeah, I just, 
I just feel like everybody's got to know about this, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it's kind of become my life's mission in a funny way. And um, I just, you know, it's a joy to be able to have, to watch people be able to experience the same things that I have, you know, yeah. have, that, have that aha moment of like, oh my God, it was, it was, I thought it was so much harder than this. You yeah. Know? That, that's just such a reward for me all the time. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jess, mm -hmm. and thanks thank for you for, like, bearing with us through the distraction that is Cleo. This is real life. I mean, this is real life, yep. and there's a lot of distractions. And this is, you know, this is, it's actually perfectly in line with my whole approach to meditation, which is, like, the way I, the way I teach is meditation for real people who have dogs that bark and kids that jump in their lap and you know, crazy work schedules and insane commutes and all the things that people think, well, you know, if I didn't have this, then I'd be able to meditate. Right. This is for people with busy minds and busy lives who are, who are, you know, real people and can benefit from this. And meditation doesn't, we don't need to fit our lives around meditation. It can fit right into our lives with the barking dog. I love it. And with all of it, life is, life is messy. That's right. Yeah. Ugh. You heard it here first, folks. Life is messy. Let meditation, you know, clear it out for you. I love it. Thanks, Jess. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye! Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bums, and see you next week.